we're going to be positive every day. You're the people being negative. You're in some of the fans. Larry Bird's not walking through that door, fans. Kevin McHale's not walking through that door, and Robert Parrish is not walking through that door. And if you expect them to walk through the door, they're going to be gray and old. And all this negativity that's in this town sucks. And I've been around, and, and, and when Jim Rice was booed, I've been around with Yastrzemski booed, and it stinks. It makes the greatest town, greatest city in the world lousy. This is Entitled Town. And I would just like to start a cheer. Let's go Red Sox. Let's go Red Sox. Let's go Red Sox. Go Red Sox. The electricity just jumps off of the voice of Tom Warner. What an electric personality. We're so lucky to have him and John Henry owning the Red Sox. Welcome to Entitled Town, everybody. My name is Mike Irons. John, Dan, and Scartelli are here. Scartzi, um, let's go with you. Red Sox 6, Rays 5. This is primarily a Patriots it is set and media podcast. Are... Don't know what happened just there, but it's we're primarily a Patriots slash media podcast. I think that's, there's, there's nothing that's, I mean, that's just who we are. But that was a, that was a fun series. House money. And they're still playing with it. Me, I'm still struck down by the uh, absolute uh, charisma of Werner and Lakino there. But I'm gonna gonna tough my way through this. But then, and, and you know, I, we're gonna stay positive every day. There's a lot to be positive about. I'm gonna, you know, when all said and done, I'm gonna drive down to the Sports Authority and get myself some AL Divisional Series gear because <laughs> that's what you do. And it's uh, they were, you know, the the fourth seed. And they uh, knocked off the number one seed, the uh, the strangely likable Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> so that uh, I'm getting some getting some decent uh, decent throwback vibes to this squad. There, it's there's some very uh, very 18 sort of feel to this. Maybe a bit of uh, maybe a bit of 07, and maybe maybe even some of the uh, Impossible Dream 1967 feel. Did Just you break really... out your break out your big yaz bread from the freezer? <laughs> By the way, for for those who know Scartelli, <laughs> those who know know this. We probably shouldn't have given probably should have given this warning ahead of time. For soothing relief, try Ricola. 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 All right. Well, there I, we I, I, I shoehorn that Ricola one. In. And I'm coughing. It's all, it all ties together here. It's all that's, working. That's that's what's called product placement in the biz. That's uh, right. John, how John's how how is vouch free October going? Uh, I was going to ask you to vouch for Wanda Franco, but you did make a vow. Uh, your <laughs> thoughts on the Red Sox advancing? Uh, I just hope Wanda Franco doesn't end up in pinstripes in a few years. I think that's the the natural fear when a team like Tampa has got a, a terrific young player like that. The, I mean, you know, it's funny living on the West coast. It, you just, you, we've talked about it before. You have that different perspective and, you know, folks were asking me about, you know, the, the wild card game and, you know, beating the Yankees. And, you know, I'm, I am of that thinking that beating the Yankees was, was the moment for this team. Everything else is gravy. And I frankly don't dislike Tampa all that much. I think they're a hard, that's a hard team to dislike. Um, but now the Red Sox got past them. Now it's on to the, the, you know, loathed Astros, right. That, that I think everybody, you know, now I'm like more invested because I don't want to see Houston win. So it's been a fun ride with this team. I mean, nobody seems to have really wanted to get behind them because of 
the flaws and the warts and the, the moments over the course of the season. But, you know, again, West Coast, I watch a lot of National League West games, you know, those, those late games that start at 10 o'clock on the East Coast. I watch a lot of those games. I watch a lot of Giants games. And the Giants are kind of a flawed team, too. I mean, if, I, if you look at that Giant, I don't know how many you know, Red Sox fans are paying close attention to the Giants, but that rotation is the kind of rotation that, that you know, Heim Bloom would put together, right? Yeah. And, and Kevin Gaussman. The, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, they got some young guys. They got some cast-offs. I mean, Alex Wood shut down the Dodgers, former Dodger, journeyman, lefty, 30 years old. Alex Wood was unhittable last night in Dodger Stadium, right? Oh, pitched Max Scherzer. Pitched Max, and that's what, by the way, and that is one of the things I just love about baseball, right? That proverbial any given night, you're going to see a guy like Alex Wood out deal, you know, Max Scherzer. So the Red Sox, they're, they're, they're hot at the right time. They, they've, they've hung together. There's, a, there's obviously a lot of character on that team. Alex Cora deserves a lot of credit. Uh, managers don't get a tremendous amount of respect these days. I think the single biggest thing they do is the people management, keeping guys invested, you know, spreading the wealth a little bit on playing time. And, and, you know, Alex Cora is a, a master at this. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's fun. Like this is, this is the fun part of sports that the team is outperforming expectations. Enjoy the ride. And it's, it's, you know, I feel bad for folks that have been waiting for them to fail since April, yep. right. Waiting for the wheels to come off. The wheels still aren't off. You've missed a hell of a season. You had a, uh, you compilated, four screenshots from Matt McCarthy, John Tomasi, um, Dan Shaughnessy, and I can't remember who the last one was, but it's all, all they're doing is trying to, to piss on your enjoyment. And it's, it's the, for me, Dan, one of the best parts of it, again, maybe I'm, I'm maladjusted and wired incorrectly, but watching these guys just constantly being made fools of, I used to say about Felger and Maserati, the Patriots broke them. You could hear the despair in their voices for being made to be seen a fool time and again. But uh, your thoughts on the Red Sox advancing? You know, it doesn't matter what the sport is, that their game's always going to be the same to try to bring down the fan enjoyment. Um, you guys can call me the bandwagon. I, I don't pretend to uh, watch or invest into in baseball as much as you guys do. But I have... Uh, lived I have lived vicariously through the excitement that I'm seeing you guys have and pick up that that energy so coming on and watch watching these playoff games it's exciting it's always fun to uh to watch an underdog uh seemingly overachieve are they are they overachieving I don't even know if that's true maybe maybe they're that's exactly what that team is but um it's watching the media I, I see them workshopping some new labels and calling yeah. the fans hypocrites and projecting their own bad takes as if the, that's what the fans are, are are saying or were saying and trying to change the tune now nice to see John Henry out in front of the microphone just a, he was in witness protection after they traded Mookie Betts and during the COVID season so he's happy to take all the credit uh, and get in front of the microphones. John came dangerously close to a vouch for John Henry in our group thread, text thread earlier. But we, but we couldn't push him to it. No, no we, could. we, we <laughs> tried, but we just couldn't get him there. And, and Scarty, Dan, let me Scarty tell you, did try, you did try to bait him. We did. And, and Dan, we will yeah, save we'll a spot a for you at the duck boat parade. <laughs> or as we call it around here, the Walling Wally. It's the Walling Wally. Uh, so uh, the Red Sox are on to play the despicable Houston Astros. Um so there'll be a there'll be a lot of rehashing of what happened with Core his year suspension. Obviously, oh, yeah. the Astros, yeah. uh, the Astros 
uh, the, the banging, banging the drums slowly, as it were, there at Minute Maid Park. Um, I've all, I, quick aside, I've, I've often thought that the Red Sox, excuse me, the Astros scandal um, in relation to the Patriots, quote unquote, scandals. Mike Fires was uh, a Houston Astro, and he outed them when he wound up signing with, with the A's. I mean, that kind of stuff happens over and over. I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said, uh, three people can keep a secret when two of them are dead. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what happened when it, when it came to the Astros stuff. And there's, there's really nothing about the Patriots except deflated footballs and destroyed, um, destroyed videotapes. But as I mentioned earlier, we are primarily a Patriots in media podcast. So let me go to you, Dan. Patriots 25. Houston Texans 22. Uh, what'd you think? Loved it. Loved it. You know, you're, you're watching that, that game and you know that this is the, the, the evolution of a team. And I, I, we could go, we were discussing some topic ideas and we were talking about whether moral victories exist, you know, moral yep. victories after a well, they lost to the bucks, but is there a moral victory? And I, and I think, yeah, moral victories exist. There's examples back to like, uh, uh, the Patriots against the Rams in, in the regular season in 2001, and then the Giants against the Patriots in 2007. Yeah. So moral victories exist and they matter, but style points don't. They won that game. It doesn't matter how they how they beat the Texans. They won the game. Well put. Um, I find it interesting that the Houston came out. The opening drive of the game was 10 minutes and six seconds. So uh, the, Astro, uh, the Astros, geez, I got Houston on the brain here. The Texans go right down the field, Scarty, and they they score a touchdown. They go ahead six to nothing. The Patriots wound up wound up winning the time of possession of that game, thirty one minutes to twenty nine. So, as in the moment, there were a lot of urine urine stained shoes all around New England, and I think Twitter may have gone down due to the excessive uh, urination of Patriots fans. But all in all, a good win. Um, you know, they're, they're building something, and you can kind of see the baby steps. Um, of the progression with the offense and the defense. Oh, sure. I, I said it uh, on the Twitter and you can look it up. Uh, Houston scored too fast for their last uh, scoring play of the game. They, <laughs> so they scored too fast and left a uh, Belichick uh, coach yeah. team too much time. And Very to true. for this, to any, like, uh, like Dan said, anyone who's, you know, quacking about style points, this was a uh, team with a rookie quarterback and, Four fifths of the uh, O linemen, you know, being uh, you know fill-ins, and they did a great job. The they were not the problem. The they problem really was weren't. where the the problem <laughs> the problem was where the putative strengths were, the running backs and uh, a bit uh, a bit of the uh, bit of the special teams, and of course uh, you know penalties. These are things that are going to need to be worked on. You know, every every practice until until the uh, until the end of the season, but it does, uh, it was, it was thrilling to watch. And if you didn't enjoy it, you're doing something wrong, or you've just yeah. forgotten what it's like to, uh, forgotten what it's like to see something like that. The penalties were definitely better. They had five accepted penalties for 27 penalty yards on the Patriots side. I may have been the first time this season. They had less penalties than their opponents. John, uh, what were your takeaways from the victory in Houston? Well, I think it's exactly what Scarcey just said. If you didn't enjoy it, you've forgotten what it's like to grind out tough wins. And I think all of us expected this season to have a lot of these, you know, they're going to have yeah. rough losses, 
last possession losses. They're going to have last possession wins. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's taking it back just to the Red Sox and kind of drawing the parallels here. If you hated the Red Sox in April and you thought they were garbage and they're not going anywhere, you probably hate the Patriots on October 12th and think they're garbage and they're not going anywhere. Right. I mean, maybe yeah. you'll be right. Congratulations. Or you could just enjoy the ride. You can enjoy the fact that you've got, without a doubt, statistically, the best rookie quarterback in the draft as your quarterback, right? There is no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy's playing like he's a borderline pro bowler, I would say at this point. And, you know, he's only going to get better from here. He's only going to get more comfortable from here. Why wouldn't you enjoy this? Why would you rather your take be they stink, they barely beat the Texans, the Texans are garbage, therefore the Patriots are slightly better than garbage? I mean, the ridiculous things that, like, I, I don't know, it, this being ultimately being right, like, congratulations, hero. You know, you called that they were going to struggle this year. I think everybody knows they're going to struggle this year. But they're going to find ways to win games. It's going to be you know, exciting football, hold on to the, you know, hold on to the edge of your seat sort of games. And I don't know, I can't, I cannot pay attention to Patriots Twitter during games. I'm completely checked out of it. I highly recommend that. Um, It is, it is just brutal. You have to be a little bit masochistic to, to be engaged in Patriots Twitter during the games. I'd much rather just take it in, see what I see with my own eyes and then kind of, you know, maybe check in on it afterwards, especially if they win. (laughs) <laughs> Good point there. Andrew Callahan, another one of your disastrous vouchers, John. Oh. Andrew Callahan. Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The record is a little bit mixed on that. There was there was some there was a tweet the, the other day about this. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I want to say I vouched for like, I don't know. Was it really a vouch for him? I mean, is that how you guys remember it? This is the dictionary definition of damage control. That's all this is. I think it was a limited modified hangout vouch. I'm bringing, I'm bringing sleaze merchant Joe Lockhart in to defend me on this one. Oh, geez. Um, to, your, to your point about Jones, rookie quarterback performing adequately, Trevor Lawrence is completing 59% of his passes. His QBR is 34.8. Trey Lance is completing 52% of his passes. His QBR is 39.9. Justin Fields is completing 51% of his passes with a microscopic 17.7 QBR, if you put any credence in the QBR. Mac Jones is completing 71% of his passes at 6.5 yards an attempt, and his QBR is 51. So I would say that despite the, the Patriots media, almost to a man, you know, save for maybe Mike Reese, and the despicable, the despicable Matthew Fairburn is still despicable. But they're falling over themselves to discredit Jones. And our buddy, um, Mike on Route 1, had a tweet that the Boston media would be falling all over themselves if the Niners took Mac Jones at number two and was playing this well, playing the card. You didn't have the balls to trade up and make a play for him. And I, in I, Scartelli, I, I think that is... It, it's not even speculation. To me, it's empirical truth. Maybe that's just my dark heart. No, no, no. You, the heart, your heart is, you, you got to listen to your heart to borrow a phrase there. <laughs> you're doing a, you're doing a, you, that is, that is, that is entirely correct. What our old friend, uh, Mike on route one had to say about that, that this would be held over our heads. It's just more proof that, you know, Belichick, the GM is killing Belichick, the coach or vice versa or that uh, they don't know what they're doing, 
or all they've got is a bunch of WR sixes or he, he drafted a white supremacist or all the other things <laughs> that they decide to go with. Well, that, that may have been, that may have been true on that last one, but we, we don't talk about that. Edit this out. But no, uh, I think the, I think that that's correct. And it's, it, it would be exhausting if you paid attention to it. That's why you've just got to get, do some Turn sort of, you know, radio. mental judo and let it, you know, let it wash over you, you know, go with some sort of, you know, bend, but don't break sort of uh, way of dealing with these sort of things. Otherwise, otherwise it would be exhausting. And that's, that's no way to, that's no way to fan. Frank Costanza may have had it right. Serenity now, Dan, serenity now. And to continue uh, Scarzi's ham-handed uh, rock set analogy, Mac Jones, oh, I was she's, go got there. The, she's got the look. <laughs> go ahead, Dan. Mac Jones has the look. You know, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing for you. <laughs> the Boston media has a, it seems like they have a hard on over uh, San Francisco quarterback. So yes, if he got drafted by San Francisco, they would for him too. That's good. Um, good point. You know, that, that win it had all the qualities for what Belichick would love. You know, the, the team came back, they worked hard. There was enough uh, good things from different players and he's got plenty to bitch at them uh, on Tuesday when they come back. Um, there's so much to like about that still. I mean, watching that offensive line that we thought was going to just fall apart, hold, hold, well, hold the line. Um, watching uh, Matthew Judon again, just destroying people. Watching uh, Hunter Henry uh, develop sort of a, a, yes. a rapport with Jones. I mean, that's something to watch going forward. Yeah, there's plenty of hope from that game. Agreed. Uh, again, early season game, uh, they, they're now through, you know, the first, almost the first third of the season, John. Uh, do you have any other rock set analogies like to make related to Mac Jones? Rock set adjacent. I mean, if you're not seeing the signs, <laughs> if you're not seeing the signs that Mac Jones is a talented, you know, is the guy that you want leading your franchise. I don't know what to tell you. Good point. Um, I think, I think if you're, you're, who are you going to believe Matthew Fairburn or Andrew Callahan are your lying eyes. I mean, that's what it comes down to for me. Just, you know, the fact that a rookie quarterback is playing for Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, I mean, that is that is a transitive vouch in and of itself right there. Um, step up in class this weekend, Dan. Dallas goes to Foxborough. Dallas's offense is the is the darling of the national media at the moment. Not that the, the national media needs any uh, help to, you know, throw verbal bouquets at the Cowboys, but it is a step up in class. And uh, I'm curious to see what happened. That's a high powered Cowboy offense and their defense has been um, certainly solid. Yeah. I'm glad it's a home game. That's... Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> true. Uh, so we're on to Dallas next. Um, so that should be a good one. Sunday at Gillette. Um, going to take a view from 30,000 feet here, John, um, the John Gruden stuff. The, the, the stuff that was leaked, obviously it's racist, homophobic, misogynist as it was. Um, anyone with a functioning front, frontal lobe can see that stuff. So John Gruden resigns as head coach of the Raiders. In our group thread, I think it goes a little bit, go, we think it goes a little bit more deeply than this. Uh, you had made a, a fall guy analogy about John Gruden is definitely the kind of guy who wants to kiss and tell. I think this is the second episode where we referenced the TV show, The Fall Guy. <laughs> But the Gruden stuff, there's a there's a lot of 
moving parts here. And it does seem like he's the one that's, that's taking a bullet or is being thrown to the wolves. I mean, the putting aside what he said, because obviously everybody knows what he said. It stands on its own, you know, demerits, if you will. Um, it's, I'm, I'm a big believer. It's never about what it's about. And you have to ask yourself, first of all, we know the league is a reprehensible reptilian organization led by, you know, the leading sleaze bucket commissioner of any commissioner that's ever lived. I mean, I just, yeah. I can't, I can't have less respect for that organization. And it makes me like disgusted with myself that I like professional football, knowing it's run by that crime syndicate. Okay. So that's how I really feel. So you see, you see the way this is leaking out. You know that their comms operation is led by a former White House uh, spokesman. So you know it's extremely political. It's also, you know, very savvy. And their ability to play the media uh, like, a, like a fiddle is, you know, is obviously clear. As a Patriots fan, you know that, you know, the, the Patriots have been run through the ringer because the league's uh, communication shop has just run circles around the Patriots and, and local media has been complicit in that, right? So all that being said, the, the fact that these emails were leaked, the way they were leaked, the slow churn of leaking designed yep. to make the Raiders, or make Gruden resign, basically, put the ball in the Raiders' court to make the Raiders be the ones who have to kind of cut bait with Gruden if he doesn't personally resign himself first. It's a shell game. And, and, and allow the league to kind of be absolved of that. I'm sure there's legal, a legal aspect. We could bring in, you know, the general, the, the general counsel of entitled town, Dave Brown to talk about this, but I'm sure there's a legal component to that. But now you see, this is where it gets disgusting. You see the league has already said, you won't see any more emails, right? This is it. So you have to ask yourself, does the league really care about what John Gruden said about Michael Sam, about, you know, D Smith, about anybody except Roger Goodell? Is this really just about the fact that John Gruden said mean things about Roger Goodell and they're gonna selectively leak this, get him run from the league, and that's the last you'll see of these emails. And there is no ramifications for Daniel Snyder. There's no ramifications for any of the other yes. you know, country club you know, septuagenarians that are on those email threads. Everybody else skates and John Gruden's your fall guy. I watched. I recently watched um, the Parcells Bill Belichick documentary that ESPN did. That was actually very good, called "The Two Bills," and they interviewed Kraft, and it, it just makes me retroactively angry when Kraft talks about Parcells leaving, uh, leaving the Patriots to go coach the Jets, and he's making the phone calls from his hotel room in New Orleans. And Kraft looks into the camera, and this is in 1997 when this happened, when he thought that the league office really helped the Jets orchestrate how to get that contract structure with Belichick and Parcells. And Kraft looks into the camera and says, it made me believe that the league office was not as pure as I thought it was. And I think, Dan, I mean, there is an element, and I'm not comparing Roger Goodell to Hitler or allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's like you're speaking ill of the Fuhrer and you wind up in, you know, in a, in a concentration camp. And it's, I, it's a shell game. Like, look at this shiny object over here. Gruden's a big name. He's a big personality. And, you know, it's there, there's there's more there there, but they're, 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 this is P, PR 101. They're cutting it off right now, and they're controlling the narrative. Yes. So so how many emails did they say they were all together? Was it something like 230,000? 
600,000? What, what was, what was the number? More, more than somewhat. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that just the Gruden ones were the only ones that were uh, racist and misogynistic and homophobic <laughs> out of those. I, I, yeah. I have the faith that that's true. <laughs> um, yeah. I, very, very good point, well, Dan. It's, well, it's, go ahead, John. Well, what passes for investigative journalism in the NFL is the, the, you know, the garbage that is Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham. You would think that, you know, Wickersham would rather write a book about something like this that might be particularly interesting and scintillating and, and, you know, groundbreaking in the league, but you know, they'll have zero interest in chasing down these emails because they rely on the spoon fed scoops from the league office to, to write the garbage they write. So, so who's going to take on the league? It has to be an outsider who goes after these emails in some form or fashion. It won't be anybody affiliated with the NFL because they all, they all feed the same trough when it comes to sources and access and all that stuff. This is why Tom Brady destroyed his cell phone. The Absolutely. NFL, the NFL <laughs> um, to, to steal a line from the departed Scartelli, the NFL has more leaks than the Iraqi Navy, for Christ's sakes. And it's, it really is, if you break it down and, and think about it critically, um, as I mentioned, I think they're controlling the narrative and they're, they're limiting the scope, you know, to, to John Gruden and Gruden's the problem and he's gone and the, the league office is on to Cincinnati and they'll take no more questions, but there are more questions to be asked. ESPN is state run media for the NFL. Follow the money, right? So yeah. they're not going to allow ESPN to unleash the Albert Breer, what would the Breer call them? The big guns, big guns. On, uh, onto 345 Park Avenue. And the national media has bought this hook, line, and sinker. And you're not, I don't think you're going to hear about this much more. Oh, no, no. Uh, it's a matter of uh, Gruden. You won't see him around anymore. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing is, he shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have grabbed that first slice of pizza off of uh, Goodell's <laughs> table. And furthermore, the uh, the three major league uh, league offices that are located in New York should be Omaha. That would fix a lot of problems, in my estimation. Yeah. No, no kidding. Uh, yeah, that's the NHL is uh, the Toronto. I don't know anything about. Move the them NHL. to Omaha too. Just Move them to Omaha. <laughs> Scarzi, why are you trying to hurt the good people of Manhattan? My God, I it, it really is, and I don't want to. I guess I'm beating the, the proverbial dead horse here, but it's. It's state-run media. The the people who are being promoter, as we mentioned, Wickersham, Van Natta. You got the useful idiots that we talked about with Mike on Route One, Scartelli, the Albert Breers, the Ian Rappaports, the Michael Silvers. John, uh, wrap up your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, you know, you used useful idiots, Mike. That's a Stalin term, right? And that's exactly what these guys are. And you know, the other one is the everybody has seen that the. The, the meme, if you will, for lack of a better word, of, of the Stalin photos, you know, where the, the, yeah. the guy to, to the Stalin commissar flat, disappears, the di commissar disappears. vanishes, the commissar <laughs> disappears, right? I mean, that is exactly what's <clears throat> happened. The league office is surrounded by useful idiots like Van Natta and Wickersham, and they decided they were going to make John Gruden disappear, right? As the oh, fall they're chiseling this. his name off of the uh, Tampa Ring of Honor it, as we it, speak. This is literally as exactly as we speak that is happening. And, and Dan, to your point, in the thousands of pages of emails, right? Can you imagine the treasure trove of homophobia, racism, sexism, misogyny, bikini clad or less than bikini clad cheerleader picks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, if you think John Gruden is the only guy 
saying this stuff in that in that treasure trove of email, you probably think Tom Brady made a mistake smashing his cell phone. The it's most, institutional, John. It's institutional. The, it is absolutely institutional. Everybody knows it. Nobody's going to write about it unless you're an absolute outsider. I saw this guy. I don't know if you follow him, Dave Zira, and he writes for the Nation. Right. Um, he he is kind of banging this drum, but that's the kind of outsider, you know, that it's it's going to how they how they break this. God only knows you need a whistleblower like Francis Haugen from Facebook to be dumping emails um, onto the lap of a guy like Dave Zirin to get this story written. I don't I don't have a lot of faith it's going to happen, but I'll tell you the smartest thing Tom Brady ever did was smashing his cell phone, because and if you don't think that that suspension was entirely about him smashing his cell phone. I'm sorry, you're hopeless. There is no point. I would rather argue with some Bobo on Twitter who doesn't think Tom Brady is like a top 10 quarterback than I would rather argue that he did the wrong thing smashing that cell phone. Dear God. I mean, it is, it is the most obvious, in hindsight, most obvious decision in the world. Right. To paraphrase uh, Colonel Nathan Jessup, you know, who's going to dig into this? You, Lieutenant Volan. You, Lieutenant Bernard, you, you know, right on down the line, Dan, um, the inst- it is institutional. I don't think there's any way. I mean, this 10 years worth of this, and it, it almost has a, a godfather mafia feel to it a little bit. You know, I thought that Sunday night game was kind of illustrative of something. Um, they had the, the rain delay right in the middle of it. You know, that hour and a half rain delay with nothing else to talk about, but the just newly, uh, released story about Gruden and I don't think that the party line got to Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico because when they went on camera they're like oh what do we do okay well you know I've never seen an ounce of racism and I've known I've worked with him all this time so the memo didn't get to those two and and I'm waiting to see where that that changes in the next couple days what their stories will be and the bottom line is never vouch John but, but, you know, but who's going to change it, right, Dan? Like, who's, yeah. who's going who's gonna to change it? You, I think you're, you're nailing it. You know, the party line didn't get to them. I also think what that's indicative of is those guys have been, immer- first of all, Mike Tirico, his personal history right. has been well-documented on this, right? right? You know, I mean, it was, it, granted, it was a long time ago, but he's got his own, you know, kind of issues there that have been well-documented. Second of all, those two are, have been part, you know, basically institutionalized like Brooks and Shawshank institutionalized in that culture so when they're saying you know i've never seen any any of this behavior from gruden i mean they they wouldn't know they wouldn't know because everybody they're around is rolling like that that is the culture right i think that's what those emails would show if they ever came to light that the culture of the league is very much on par with what john gruden was saying in those emails very very common and and you know if the league doesn't think that's the case they ought to release the emails but they won't Right. If, if and Bill there's all Belichick, sorts of reasons why they won't. If Bill Belichick has been ostracized and cast aside by the NFL community, then good on Bill Belichick. I think it yep. speaks well of him. Scartelli, any final thoughts on the fallout from the, this Gruden stuff? I'd feel uh, worse for him if he wasn't a twerp about the snowball game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, that's the term for it. I don't want to hear any other descriptive term for that game snowball that's it snowball there that if i was allowed to pick some days that i could live over and over again that day when january 19 2002 that would be that would be a candidate for one of those days that the weather the atmosphere 
the Tom Brady national coming out party. Yeah. Uh, just a tough, resilient team taking advantage of every opportunity and mentally breaking an entire generation of Oakland Raiders. So well done, 2001 Patriots again. Um, entitledtown at, at gmail.com. We have our email this week. Vinny is sending another email, and he appreciates us answering his Josh McDaniels question last week. Yes. Uh, you we answer all your questions, Vinny. We're equal opportunity. Have your friends send some emails. Uh, Vinny says that the fire McDaniels takes were plentiful on Sunday. <laughs> to your point, John, stay off Patriots Twitter during game. We used to have a game thread exemption, Dan and Scarzi, on the old board where mm -hmm. uh, we had a gem from a uh, long-lost BSMW member who said at the four-minute mark on the first quarter of the first game of the 2003 season, eight and eight, here we come. So, <laughs> so, so never vouch. Never uh, let him forget that. Cause no, yeah, no, that's, how we, that's how we rolled too. TJM, I, I believe I coined the phrase shoe pisser or shoe peeing ninny uh, with regard to him. And I say that with love. Um, Vinny is happy to get the win, giving their down four offensive linemen. But his question is about the wide receiving core. Uh, he likes a lot of them, but the usual suspects in the media and fan base are not impressed. Do we have any opinions on the weapons? And he spelled it correctly. And are there any standouts you particularly enjoyed watching the season? I've Kendrick Bourne was created in a lab to be a Patriot receiver. Uh, he had a good game Sunday. He's, he's versatile. Uh, Dan and I both own footy pajamas for Nikhil Harry, and we're very hopeful that Harry will bust out the physical, just this physical gifts yeah. are fairly apparent. So maybe he'll get worked in. Dan, do you have, what are your opinion of the, uh, the weapons with a Z? It's, it's a team game. Once the offense yeah. as a whole starts performing better, the receiver, receivers will start performing better too. It's, 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 it's the whole package. You can't just have one, one position start performing. Uh, it, it doesn't work like that. So I'm itching it's, it's reflective of the whole of the whole offense. Agreed. Uh, Scarcy, I'm itching to play uh, manager Lou Brown's clip from Major League saying it's starting to come together, Pepper. It's starting to come together when they hang their first 30 plus game on somebody. Uh, but uh, the, the weapons at some point. Oh, they yeah, will. Like, and like we say, the born, he's, you know, he's he's very enjoyable to watch. And and Harry, he's, you know, a few weeks behind because of the because uh, of everything. And, you know, but he's got, he's, I think, I think the, I think going from 15 to one has made him feel lighter, faster. <laughs> so, I'll, you know, and I'll then maybe make him look bigger too. Any, any number of things could be happening here. And like, it's going to, it's going to, it's like a, it is like, it's a, it's a clockwork sort of thing. All the gears need to be meshing at the same time. Yeah, it is a complimentary game. And, and as, as I point out often, John, it's and Vinny, um, you're allowed to throw the football to somebody who's not playing on the outside or on the slot. You can throw it to backs. You can throw it to tight ends. Uh, but your thoughts on the, the, the weapons in the offense so far. Yeah. I mean, the weapons so far, like if you played any of the Patriots skill guys in daily fantasy or in your fantasy team this week, I'm sorry. You know, I mean, you're, yeah, unless you played Hunter Henry gave you a good game, but you know, if you, if you drafted Aguilar, you know, you probably, he's probably not in your starting lineup. So he's clearly a bust. If you drafted Jonu Smith early because you thought he would be phenomenal, his stats so far, he's, he's, he might not even be starting for you at this point, which is, you know, horrible. So he's a bust, you know, it's, 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 I think it's that 
they're spreading the ball. Mac Jones spread the ball around pretty effectively. Um, you know, Hunt, Henry was featured more in, in this game than he had been in the past. Aguilar had three catches. Um, Bourne had three catches. Myers had four catches. I mean, he's, he's spreading it out. It makes those guys tough starts in fantasy. Um, and, you know, people get bothered by that. And, but you have, you have everybody eaten as the, as maybe the, the cooler kids would say, you know, all the, all the skill guys are getting the ball, all the skill, skill guys are engaged and they're, they're complimentary pieces. I would also suggest this if they were very unhappy with their wide receivers, there's a number of kind of established veterans uh, that are available. The Steelers just signed Anthony Miller to their practice squad today. You know, he's a, a second round pick in 2018. Maybe he'd, he'd yeah, heard him, you know, second round pick, second round pick by the bears. He's scrap heaping on the Steelers practice squad three years later. That only happens to Bill Belichick, except for this one time, this one example um, you know, so he's available. Patriots didn't want him. John Brown, everybody remembers John Brown, you know, takes the top off the of defense, John Brown, he's available. Patriots didn't want him. Right. So they, they like what they have, you know, they like what they have. It takes a little while to learn the system. These, these guys are coming together, Pepper. And, you know, I'm, this is not the, that's not the unit I'm concerned about. No, I'm, I'm waiting for Mac to say, you know, at a press conference, his favorite receiver is the open one. Yep. Exactly. Uh, and I think I heard you. Did you say veterans with a Z? I thought I heard a Z at the end of veterans. <laughs> Proven veterans TM. <laughs> Turn down the miracle ear in this case, Scartelli. <laughs> I, I will. I'll say this. I, I'm just very encouraged overall. Uh, my, my shoes were not urine soaked. I, I did. I'm not going to lie to you and say I liked that 10 minute touchdown drive to start the game. <laughs> mm. um, but the Patriots came back and tied it right away. Um, there was a lot to like Sunday. There was the L- Lawrence guy I'm pushing the offensive line in back for that blocked punt. By the way, that what a stupid, stupid call it was to have a pooch punt with the with the punter only a few yards behind the line of scrimmage, and he punted into his center's head. It was absolutely it was a moronic call, and it's, it really helped turn the game in the Patriots' favor. It, it seemed it was a coaching mis- mismatch for me. Um, we can get the running backs to stop fumbling. And if we get ball security, stop turning the ball over. I think they're going to be okay. They are a work in progress. This is the fun part, as, as we've said um, over and over. So let's move into final thoughts. Uh, Dan, your final thoughts for this week's episode. I wanted to call up a Mike Reese tweet. He uh, had something. I don't know if this was a press conference or he had him on, on his own, but he was talking to Ivan Fierce who was uh, talking about Ramondre Stevenson. And he said, Ramondre started out too cautious. He was almost very, very nervous to carry the ball. We can't play that way. But then he talked about, he turned it loose at the end, didn't he? We're going to, we're going to get the bell cow. I'm sorry. We're going to get the cowbell going with that boy. He's going to turn it loose and we're going to be all right. I, I got excited about that. I, 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 because we saw the promise in Stevenson during, during the off season, during the preseason and, I'm looking forward to seeing what he he brings to the next game. Agreed. Yet yeah, it's it was a good point. I saw I actually made a mental note regarding that Mike Reese tweet as well. Um, Scartelli, your final thoughts for this week's pod? I'm just trying to figure. <clears throat> is uh, Fears their longest tenured assistant at this point? He's got to be. He's got to be up there. But anyways, be. if we can, you know, uh, if we can, you know, 
circle back to the Red Sox. I think they're, the turning point of their season was the uh, July 21st game against um, the Blue Jays in Buffalo, which I just so happened to be at. So you're welcome. <laughs> See, Scartelli, with you, it all comes back to baseball. Uh, it does, Danny. <laughs> wrap it up, John. Well, I'm glad I get a final thought this week. Um, you know, last week I got I got bypassed, and and I know you did that for my own good, Mike. Uh, I love you for it. You know, I get into trouble on these final thoughts sometimes. So this time I'm just going to limit myself to to something I learned from somebody else who has equally good judgment as me. Till next time, take care of yourselves and each other. <laughs> good point. Um, I would do want to point out that. I think it was within an hour of recording the last podcast. John came dangerously close in our text thread to vouching for the despicable Tanya Ray takes. I mean, that's no, I, no, yeah. no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm getting slandered league office style here. <laughs> yeah, we the, the 345 Park Avenue is now located, moved to West Seattle at this point. <laughs> uh, and, uh, my final thoughts are um, we're recording this. I want to start my final thought with this. To left field and deep and down he goes back and it's gone. Unbelievable. We're recording on the 35th anniversary of Dave Henderson's home run. Uh, 35 years, my God. Um, I if you can, if you're not a, a Boston sports fan, you can't. When you hear that Al Michaels audio and you can't see everything that happened, that Donnie Moore's fork ball hanging, his emergency swing, Dave Henderson leaping in the air, and the heartbreak of Brian Downing going back to the wall and almost collapsing into the fence. Um, we were blessed in the 80s. We got to see, in my opinion, the greatest basketball team to ever play. The 86 Red Sox were a thrill ride that ended ultimately in disappointment. And you know, I've made the point before that the Patriots had a chance to make the 85 Bears a, a historical footnote. The 86 Red Sox had a chance to do the same with the Mets, and it spawned those those ludicrous uh, uh, the, the documentaries on the 86 Mets that ESPN just had. One, one Night in Queens, I think it was. Um, I, I couldn't stomach myself to watch. Dave Henderson passed away uh, in the past several years. Uh, we, we're losing a lot of these icons of our youth. As we get older, time stops for no one. But I just wanted to give a shout out uh, to the great beyond to Dave Henderson, because that was one of the great moments of, of my youth. And I think I can speak for all of us. Uh, it's, the, it's the same. Yep. Yep. All right. Entitletown at gmail.com. Uh, you know the Twitter account. It's at Entitletown. Uh, John is at that John Irons. Scartelli is at Pat Scartell. Dan is at Patriots Daily. Uh, I am at Ironhead 334. Thank you for listening. Uh, download, rate, subscribe, all that nonsense. Uh, hopefully a vouch-free continues uh, in October for John. Unless you want to vouch for the Astros, then that's fine with me. We're on to Dallas on Sunday. And turn off your radio. And we're going to stay positive all the way through. And if you think I'm going to succumb to negativity, you're wrong. you got the wrong guy leading this basketball team.